Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where BJ is living that jet-setting lifestyle. I'm Void. I'm here with my co-host, Bij. I did fly, didn't I? Did you? I actually didn't know that. I thought you might have driven, but I was going to go with it anyway. Today we're talking about, well, we're kind of catching up because uh, like we mentioned last episode, we've been time shifted because BJ was traveling. I was, and it's been—it's weird to be here again, you know, sitting and doing this after so long of being like, anytime I take a week off from this, I'm sure you're the same way, like it throws everything off. Like I don't know how to, like what to set up, I don't know uh, where my notes should be on my desktop, it just like, just messes me up, man. <laughs> okay, I don't think I feel as off, but I've been doing production professionally for a long time, so... It's it's always a little weird coming back to it after multiple weeks. This was just one week, though. It wasn't that big of a deal. It was deal. just one week, I know. But I was far away, so I was completely removed from everything normal for a week. So that's why it feels like so much longer for me. Yeah, so we both probably have a bunch of geekery. But first, like, just as a quick main topic, what did you do? How was it? So we went and visited Austin and his family in Florida. Um, y'all have listened to the Dragon Quest episode that he and I did a few uh, months ago while Void was out. Uh, you've probably seen me talking to him on Twitter. Uh, but we we used to work together, and so now we're buddies. And uh, with his family living like an 18-hour drive away, we decided to fly down and visit. So like we usually only get to see each other in person about once a year, maybe twice if uh, they come up for Christmas. And so we, we were really excited to be able to go down because they have uh two one-year-old twins and then a three-year-old uh daughter who we just love and adore and so we get to go uh hang out with the uh with the kids who are delightful and man at this age they are very loud and uh way louder than they were the last time we were there <laughs> and uh, <laughs> i love them but man they can scream um but th- we went down there um we get a free place to stay, like which is awesome because we're we're going there. We get a free beach vacation, so we can actually afford to fly down and not really worry about it. That it was just it's just delightful to do that. So because we're like really close buddies and we, and we geek out a lot, like we we got to play video games together, which we never get to do. Like we get to sit around and do the dumb stuff that uh, that we used to do when we lived in the same town, and so it was. It was awesome because I finally got to see actual Dragon Quest builders, like the the game that's beyond the demo. And it solidified to me that I have want nothing to do with this game. Okay. Like sitting there watching him play it, like the, the building stuff looks super neat. Like the exploration that he was doing, I loved watching that. But the first boss is like a giant golem. You know, the big stone, uh, oh, stone yeah. golem yep. guys. They... He he was dumb. Like it wasn't even fun to watch to play. Like I can't even imagine how much how not fun it is to actually be the one controlling it. And like he is stupid hard. And then I went and looked up what the other bosses were. I'm just hoping they change that for Dragon Quest Builders too. Like it was it was stupid. So with that, after we did that, like we actually ended up buying before I went down there the Final Fantasy TCG. We bought two starter decks for this. Have you played it or heard of it or anything? I've heard of it, but I've never actually looked at it except that. um, Well, you have a note here, too, but I heard that it's similar to magic. It is really similar to Magic. Like, he found it kind of on a whim and saw that there were some cheap decks on eBay. And he was like, hey, I bought the Final Fantasy XII one. You should buy one and we should play when you're down here. And I'm like, I can throw $6 at that. So I did, and I bought the Final Fantasy XIV deck. And so we learned how to play, and I didn't realize that this was a game that was like on its eighth edition. That it's been going for a long time. And there is actually a singles market for it that we were looking at and he bought some foil cards because they were cheap and pretty and basically if you like art books and Final Fantasy art this is something that you should look into you get a relatively large amount of Final Fantasy art relatively cheaply there we go and uh, like it's pretty it's got like pictures from all the different games and different styles even things like theatrhythm but it was actually fun to play. It was a little more strategic than like magic combat because you only attack with one character at a time. And if like you damage them, then the attack is over. You can only take one point of damage no matter what, even if the uh, the person has like, uh, like 5,000 power, which is what some of them do or more. It's like you only take one damage because you take seven damage to, uh, to lose. Uh, so you have to get hit seven times. But if you, if you uh, block it 
and they have another attacker coming through, they can or they can attack you again, and you have to choose to either let it through or block it. Like it's interesting on both sides how you have to kind of uh, play with each other's brains, like like try to really screw with each other and and let each other know. Like that, it was a really fun game, and uh, I don't. I don't think there's any way that I'll keep up with it or anything, but it's fun to have a couple of starter decks to kind of throw around, you know? Cool. Yeah, I'm kind of always up for, like, trying a couple starter decks or newbie decks in almost any competitive card game just for fun. Yeah. But it's like I rarely ever ever will get invested in one, which is why Magic has been such a weird thing for me that I'm actually into it lately. Yeah, like as, as crazy into it as you got into that and me, I haven't actually played Arena because I've been out of town, but uh, this was not one of those games that hooked me like that. But man, it was so cool looking at all of the uh, the different cards. Like I just love the cards. This is the kind of game that I would buy as a collector just to see, uh, see how they put everything together because they are actually really, really pretty uh, cards and art, like really, really nicely made cards too. They're very thick card stock. Additionally, like we went down and like he has been talking for months about buying a Japanese Metal Slime 2DS so that he can play Dragon Quest XI on uh, in Japanese. Neither of us reads Japanese or anything, mind you. This isn't a, somebody who who's learned hiragana and uh, and can read uh, most of what's on the screen or anything. No, like we're we are not able to do that. But he ordered it while I was there because he was able to get the the limited edition Slime 2DS. Uh, uh, Metal Slime from Dragon Quest and Dragon Quest Eleven for about $140, $140, $49-ish. So it got delivered while I was down there. So we got to play with like Google Translate, the app that translates real-time, uh, to figure out how to set up a Japanese 3DS uh, and then start playing Dragon Quest Eleven while like I was like, holding the real-time app over it to figure out what some of the characters were saying and uh, what all the menu items were. It was the weirdest thing because the Translate app is really hit or miss. I mean, if you've ever tried the the Google Translate real-time translation, it is odd with some of the things that it says, but uh, it let us get through and do that. And holy cow is Dragon Quest Eleven pretty on the 3DS. It is by far the best looking 3DS game I've ever seen. Cool. It, you guys were dedicated. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I mean we're 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 nuts. Uh, that's uh, that's one thing that is nuts. Uh, I've been wanting to see it though. I've seen videos of it, and I'm like, oh, it can't look that good in person. It can't, but it can. Like that's the thing. It looks like a lower resolution version in 3D as you play it of the the PS4 game. Really, the main difference that I noticed uh, as we were going through it is that the multiple levels, like you would have towns that had multiple levels and tiers where the houses were on like you had a low tier a mid tier and a higher tier that just kind of went up and down as you went around they were all on one flat level like rpg towns tend to be in most of them so it was uh, that kind of concession you make for the 3ds but other than that it was like super cool like i really enjoy getting to see that and now i really can't wait for the switch version to play that 2d version that you see on the bottom screen um, because you really do see the 3D on top and then the 2D on the bottom screen at the exact same time as you're playing. It is hard to get used to. That sounds super Weird. cool, though. Yeah. I'm, it uh, is super cool. I'm like, glad you got to worth, try it. Me too. It's worth paying $150 for. Like, I'm really having to stop myself from doing that because it's silly for me to when I can actually borrow it from somebody I know when he finishes it. But it's like kind of want to do that because that game looks really cool uh but <laughs> okay. anyway uh we, uh we also bought mario party on the switch while we were down there because jennifer and i've been wanting it but like we didn't want to just buy it uh, and not have anybody to play with so we ended up buying it down there and playing four-player mario party on the switch a bunch and it's really good like this is a really good version of mario party and we did a lot of the boards and stuff like that late at night and i learned that austin is the most competitive person i know and really truly hates RNG like when there's randomness in there that you can't control no matter what you do man gets angry it's uh 
he used to be a very angry man at Mario Party. <laughs> he, he, he was not happy with the the uh, random stuff that was going on, and we were all just laughing and having a great time. And uh, so that was great. Jennifer and I have been playing it since we got home. It's it's been super good to be able to have that game. And there's have you played the Switch version? Yeah, no, I played it a bunch with my kids right when it came out. My kids still play it. I don't really, but yeah, I know the game really well. So have you played the River Rapids yeah. part of it much? Yeah, it's kind of fun a little bit, and then. You've seen it all, but yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how we felt too, how Jennifer and I did. Like, we didn't want to do it just the two of us, but when you have four people trying to do that at the same time, like, guys, if you haven't played it or seen it, it is instead of being on a board to play mini games, you are using the Joy Cons like they're oars in a rowboat, and there are two of you on a side, and you have to control the rowboat going around rapids and rocks and uh, obstacles and up and down waterfall, not up waterfalls, but down waterfalls. It's, uh, it's really hard and it made us forget that there were three babies asleep upstairs and i think we woke them up at one point whoops uh, like that's the only time like all week long we were so careful about playing games but mario mario party river rapids made us all completely forget about it and then we're like did we just wake up nora it's like I think we did. <laughs> so it was uh, it, w- it was uh, fun to do that. But so we geeked out a ton on this. That's awesome. And uh, then like during this, like I also got to travel like we've been down there a few times. Like this is like the third or fourth trip that we've made down there to uh, visit and stay with them for uh, different amounts of time. And so we knew the area. We got to go to like the beautiful intercoastal beach and the restaurants that we like. And uh but while we were down there, I got to go to the Florida Keys for the first time. And I adored that place that uh, I want to go back to the Keys so badly that it was so much better than I thought it was going to be. His aunt and uncle own a houseboat. Uh, they said it was a trawler, but I don't actually know what a trawler is. And they live on it and there are rooms. So it's a houseboat to me, even though it's not boxy and technically classified as a houseboat. But they, they live there and they took us out on the ocean, which was my first trip out on the ocean. And uh, we uh, it was just beautiful. Like I've never seen water that clear that it was a beautiful sunny day. I texted my work pictures of it uh, with us on the boat on the ocean with no land in sight. I was like, hey, how's y'all's week going? And uh, my in my uh, work slack. And like it was so much fun. And then uh, we went to this little beach on the Keys, and it was the clearest water I've ever seen there. Like this water, like it was a, a it was like a perfect picture out of a movie like forgetting sarah marshall that's what this place looked like even though i know that was hawaii but it was just like this beautiful beautiful uh like white sand beach and and this crystal clear water and like i saw this little crab as i took a step almost stepped on this crab that ran away under the water like doing his little crab thing and it looked like this gold and blue crab it looked like tamatoa from moana you know the big crab that sings and uh like it looked like him like it was so cool looking and then just a little bit after that uh like i was walking up toward the uh walking back up toward shore uh toward the beach at one point and this guy yelled one of the other people who happened to be there uh it was a kid actually uh, probably a teenager and was like there's a shark and i was like what we're like what everybody's looking and all of a sudden this like three foot long three to four foot long nurse shark just comes swimming through it's uh just kind of doing its thing, not paying attention to anybody swimming like right up next to the people uh, who are there. And uh, we watched it. We could see it just perfectly uh, as it went. And it went off over outside of the part that was cordoned off. And then a few minutes later, like it came circling back around like it was just chilling with us in there. Didn't mess with anybody. We were all out in the water and everything. And it was uh it was just really awesome to say that we've literally swum with the sharks. Um, it is. It, it was really creepy, but it was like, I'm kind of scared to go back out into the water, but it's like, kind of want to go back out into the water. There's a shark there. And uh, it's also the first time I got a sunburn in like the last 15 years. 
That's crazy uh, to me. You and I talked about this the other day before you uh, left when I, it was like a nice day here. And uh, I think it's just the weekend. And I was like, yeah, I went outside a little bit and you were talking about how much you go out in the sun and you didn't realize Mm -hmm. that like, I just burn, like I go from pale to burn. Those are my only two States. I don't tan ever. So yeah, I can be outside in the sun without sunscreen for like 20 minutes maybe, but I can feel myself burning in that time. And you said you just like, don't. I don't like I I run when I'm running and I'm running outside every day. I don't put sunscreen on or anything like that. And I never burn. I've run like training for the halves and everything. I have run every day. No, like hours on end outside. Never, never burned. Like I just it just turns into tan. And uh, this is the first time that I've gotten a sunburn in 15 ish years. And it's on my shoulders. I got a little bit on my chest. And uh, for one day it was on my face. But it took so about four and a half to five hours total between being on the boat in the ocean and then being at the beach in the water on the ocean with it reflecting up on both places and in the pool every day uh, in the afternoon for a couple of hours it took that to get me to have a sunburn that lasted about uh, two days on my shoulders that i wasn't really that bad but i'm so not used to it so i was mildly uncomfortable all the time and i hated it (laughs) it uh like it didn't peel or anything like it's already just about gone now like you can't see it's all tan now but it was like crazy that that much sun no sunscreen whatsoever oh none of that with any sunscreen okay i have zero just i okay none no i have no sympathy for you whatsoever yep exactly that's the thing i i, I was talking to grace and grace is uh austin's wife and she uh she is is dark complected and like tanned and just this uh just just this beautiful tan beautiful skin and she doesn't do anything either because she doesn't worry about it and she and i were both talking about how no nah, i never put on sunscreen it's i just don't do anything about it it's like yeah here i am and it's like that's the way i approach it's like i never burn i was like i, I figured i would get red because I hadn't been out in the sun that much yet, but I had enough of a tan. I figured it was a good enough base, and I was right. I got a minor sunburn, and it was fine, but I had zero sunscreen on the entire trip and doing all that. Wow. Yeah, I could go out uh, you know, in normal Minnesota sun without a reflective ocean for 30 minutes, and I will be red. Like It happens to me all the time, so... No sympathy whatsoever. Yep. Oh, I know. Oh, 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 no. I was not expecting sympathy. I was expecting mocking. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, you poor baby. You got mildly uncomfortable. Exactly. Because that's kind of how I felt. It's like, I can't move my shoulder. <laughs> like that's. It was like it was like that. But like this trip was great. This is the first time I've been down there where everything just kind of clicked, and I understood why people live in places like Southern Florida, with like dealing with hurricanes and all of that. Where it's just it was nice because we weren't really necessarily vacationing. We went to the zoo and things like that because I go to the zoo everywhere i go whenever i can but it was the first time like i was like oh this is just nice to live here just to be here and do this stuff like what they do day in and day out it was it was just super nice and uh so i i really i really uh envy people who are able to live in that climate all the time like the cost of living is still super high down there i mean it's it's north palm beach florida so uh, west palm beach and all of that so it's just right there it's very expensive cost of living compared to where we are now but man it was super fun and i'm so glad uh so glad we were able to go down there just at this time of year it was perfect on top of getting to play uh lots of video games and hang out and stuff (laughs) like that Cool. Well, I'm glad that the trip went well, and I'm glad you had fun, and we were able to record ahead of time, so nobody missed out on an episode while we were gone. Nope, not at all. Yeah. Um, well, I have a bunch of geekery, and I know you have some other stuff, too, that wasn't directly related to your trip, but before we do that, let's dive into our geeky offer of the week. Um, we are trying something different this week with PodCoin. You understand it better than I do. I'm still wrapping my head around it, but it seems pretty cool, so why don't you tell people about it? 
Okay, so PodCoin is really neat. I found this app, and you can find it at PodCoin.com, and on Twitter they are at PodCoin app. And what this is is a normal podcast player that you can listen to, and they actually pay you for listening to podcasts. And I know that sounds like one of those, like, oh, we'll pay you for listening to podcasts, but it legit works. And they will you earn points every, I think, 10 minutes that you listen to a podcast through their player, and then you can redeem and they're called pod coins and you can redeem those coins for either gift cards for yourself or you can uh, donate that much mu- those points those coins to charity and they will pay that much to the specific charity uh, that they've chosen that month and so if you join and do this you can just listen straight up like you do with any other podcatcher that you have uh, but you can also uh, earn while you're doing it and if you sign up and use the code geek g-e-e-k you will uh, get an extra 300 pod coin, and so will we. So it's a really neat thing, and uh, it's just a really, it's kind of social, and I've really enjoyed being on there so far. I am, uh, uh, it's a it's a good experiment, and I've liked the results so far, especially uh, getting a lot of new listeners, I think, there. So y'all try it out. Let me know what you think about it. Uh, I can't wait to hear what you say. Yeah, I'm super interested to see how it works and if people like it, and the other thing is we're always trying to expand the community without going too fast or too big um, or paying straight up for advertising. So that's not something that we ever want to do, but we want more people because like the community that we have is fantastic. So this is one of those ways where it seemed like another way that we can get the word out there by using a different service. So we're going to try it and see how it goes. Um, but yep. yeah, try out PodCoin and like, let us know what you guys think and if it's something we should keep doing. Um, around the network this week uh, on Geektitude, you were on Geektitude. I didn't know you were going to be yeah. on there. It was, we recorded it so long ago before uh, Joe had to turn into a robot. And then that happened and finally got everything back uh, back to go. So uh, we recorded a long time ago. Like it was super fun. It was like the third time I've been on the show and we didn't realize it it had been like two years since I had. Yeah, you were out of town, and then suddenly you were just like in my ears. It was it was weird. Um, I'm always there. That's creepy. Don't say that. And then um, <laughs> the other episode of Geek Two that came out uh, while we you were away basically was uh, cosplaying for charity with Rob. So Rob from yeah. the Comic Box jumped over there, or Rob from Sometimes Rob, I should say. <laughs> and then Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. They had an episode on John Wick. Um, the some and sometimes rob podcast he did his own episode about endgame so the first one he did a couple weeks ago was his wife's impressions and then this was just his thoughts straight up um capsule j of course is streaming tuesdays from 8 to 11 p.m eastern sometimes on thursdays and weekends and troidal is streaming thursdays and sometimes randomly after dinner um, what else do we have for the geekery this week? For those of you who don't know, we have a blog on the geek to geek Media Network site. And if you go there, you will find uh, Austin's Dragon Quest quest, which is uh, this week talking about Dragon Quest 4, Chapter 5. So it's a five six-part series now uh, wrapping up talking about Dragon Quest 4 and the 13th story is uh, very appropriate this week uh, to learn is about learning to love RNG Uh, so uh, it was a very good read and a good one to read after Mario Party the other night so you can find those both at geek2geekmedia.com slash geekery sweet and with that it's time for weekly geekery where we share what we've been geeking out about this week what did you do besides all the stuff that you already talked about Oh, more me. Yay. Um, I've been playing If you guys don't know, I always make him go first because I have the ability to scale myself to the time remaining. He doesn't have that ability in the same way. I do not. That is is one thing that I love about you and uh, being able to do it because I cannot at all do that um (laughs) ever like i've never had that ability so uh i've been playing a lot of dragon quest 9 and it is really really good um remember when we were doing our uh rpg job systems episode and i said people had talked about this being like the best job system ever in a video game like i can see why they say that i don't think it's the best job system ever but i totally understand why they say it because i think it's one of the most customizable that you can have because instead of taking just an ability or two you know how you get to pick like what command you want in final fantasy 5 or um in final fantasy 14 you get uh, all of these certain cross class abilities or um 
in Bravely Default, you get to pick a couple of different abilities to stick with based on uh, your subclasses. Yeah. This one is, instead of taking just those like small subclass type things to cross-class, any ability that you gain from skill point investment from uh, you uh, in Dragon Quest games, you usually go from zero to 100 with uh, every so often at different intervals, giving you either a passive stat boost or an ability. Um, every time you gain a passive stat boost or an ability from skill point investment, you carry all of them over to all of your other classes. So... If you go in and you put 100 points in swords, you can be a mage that uh, uses uh, Giga Slash or whatever as with a sword. But you can also have the uh, range, and every class has a unique tree, as well as the four weapon classes that they can use. You can be a shield-wearing, axe-wielding gladiator who uh, has all of the uh, has all of the paladin and mage abilities and everything else ranger whatever you want that can steal like a thief like anything that you can learn can be carried over to all of your other classes that sounds really customizable but also a little overwhelming in like probably not the best way it is so overwhelming because i find myself like i'm 30 odd hours into it now i'm probably over 30 at this point and I'm I'm fairly well through the I'm probably 60 to 70 percent through the uh, storyline, I would say, just based on what has happened so far. But a lot of my time has been just spent in dungeons, like grinding on metal slimes, because I find myself being like, oh, this would go really, really well if I had this on a had this martial artist ability on on my gladiator or something like that. It's uh it's really addictive for that. Like, and it's, but it's fun. That's the thing. It's like, I want to do this. I don't feel like I have to because you absolutely don't have to go overboard to beat the game. It's just something that I'm finding a lot of enjoyment with. So I do understand why people, why people say it's the best job system ever. Um, I think that I like Bravely Default better just in terms of like smoothness and smoothness and polish and that kind of thing. But it's a very good one and it is completely different from all the other ones in the uh, the Dragon Quest series. So it's it's fun and I'm really loving this game. It sounds like it would be a really good podcast game. Like those ones where I just kind of like zone out and listen to a podcast, but there's like something a little bit of active to do with like my hands and my mind. Um, yeah, I am not in the mood for that game, that specific game or that Dragon Quest or that kind of grinding at the moment. But I just mention it because there are other people out there that might be in that mood. And it sounds like it would be a good fit for that type of thing. It is perfect for that. Um, like if we're watching YouTube or Dr. Pimple Popper or Vet Ranch or something like that on TV, um, that's what I'm doing is I'm usually just running around killing things, hitting a button here and there. Um finding metal slimes whatever or uh, like we were watching the new season of nailed it uh and while we were doing that i was just running around looking for slimes that kind of thing like it just to get a few more skill points here and there uh like it, it is it's great for that kind of thing i also found out like speaking of nailed it we were watching this the third season last night there is a person from my hometown here the town i live in who got on there and uh ended up winning and like it was a college student here and i'm just like i i we haven't heard about this like this is a small enough town that when something like that happens you hear about it like nobody talked about this uh this college student going on to a netflix uh game show and winning uh it was just like it was odd but i was like yeah good for her um but found that out last night saw saw that episode and then I also got it. Finally, got a chance to play with the Bit Boy. Oh yeah, that's heard about super the Bit cool Boy? when you told me about it. Like it is really, really neat. It is a small handheld. Uh, it's B I T T Boy. Um, it's a small handheld, and it fits literally in my hand. Like it is the size of my palm, and it. Uh, it has a small screen on it, and it runs on, I think, a Raspberry Pi with a custom, uh, like, it's not quite, I don't think it's Retro Pi, but uh, they have the, they have uh, that. It runs on something like that. And um, it is a, it's an emulator is what it is, is it runs ROMs. And so I'm, 
able to play these like fan translated ROMs that I wouldn't be able to play otherwise. And so I've got them on uh, on there to be able to play. Like I've always wanted to actually finally get through the first Star Ocean and go back and play Tales of Fantasia and stuff like this and uh, Saiken Densetsu 3. Uh, it's I'm really excited to do that. And it it works really well. Like it works perfectly well actually with save states it comes with all the emulators preloaded on there and this one even has a this one even has a ps1 emulator on it but i haven't loaded anything on that one yet to try it because i just don't understand how this thing is powerful enough to emulate ps1 um but it's awesome so far i'm really really enjoying it uh playing some of the old like playing honestly playing some of the japanese games that got translated and some of the older game boy and game boy color games that i've missed that uh are also making me like ones that i have but don't want to actually pull out an old console for to be able to play so like it's it's really cool and i got it for 50 bucks and it had a uh eight gigabyte micro sd card with it so which is plenty fine for uh this kind of thing it was very good deal i'm very happy with it it's been a lot of fun cool that sounds super cool yeah let me know what else you end up playing on it because that's the one thing like i always see stuff like that and i'm I don't know, like the nostalgia hits me first. I'm like, oh, yeah, like old games. Like I want to see other ways to play them. And then I actually stop and think and I'm like, wait, what would I actually spend time like playing on it? And that's where I always right. kind of stop myself. But if you if you get hooked on a bunch of games and you think it's worthwhile, like I would give that thing another look. It's really good for RPGs like retro RPGs, because uh, the only thing I have a problem with so far is that the it doesn't have a sleep mode so you uh but it has save states so you save state immediately then just flip it off and come back on because it's an almost immediate boot up again but um i've had a lot of fun doing that with like older rpgs that i've actually seen on twitter people playing and wanting to go play uh things like uh like the old final fantasy legend or like the first dragon quest monsters on game boy color things like that that i honestly want to give a playthrough and don't happen to have a Game Boy lying around. Uh, so it's, but I want to have those games. So it's, it's been fun playing and like Donkey Kong Country runs really well on it. Yoshi's Story, I've had a lot of fun playing. Uh, a lot of these old platformers work really, really well on it. Cool. No, that's very cool. Um, yeah, it's super fun. I didn't travel anywhere exciting like you did in the last week, but I have been picking away at geekery stuff. I, I tried, um, the, the Assassin's Creed Odyssey Fate of Atlantis DLC, which have you seen that? Like, have you looked at the Battle Pass for Odyssey at all? No, I haven't. Or the I don't know if it's Battle Pass. It's the whatever the DLC season pass. That's the word I was looking yeah. for. Um, this is like one of the last things in it. So I know I talked about some of the other DLCs when those came out. And it's just because like I spent the extra, I think it was like $10 when I bought the game to get like the digital deluxe edition, which had the pass in it anyway. And that's okay. why I got the uh, Assassin's Creed 3 remaster for free oh, because I had already paid okay. for it. Yeah. So this one ties into the Atlantis stuff, which was like one of my favorite parts of Odyssey. So I was super excited yeah. about it. And unfortunately there's some like dumb stuff they do right away so there's like these tedious fetch quests that you have to do before you can get to the actual new content and it was like okay well that's kind of a drag of an hour or two and then once you actually get into it the premise is interesting um the gameplay maybe not so much so the premise is you can go to the greek underworld through simulations from your alien friends which i know i've talked about the aliens before in assassin's creed yeah, if you guys have never beaten one, there's definitely aliens and they play a major impact on the overall story of Assassin's Creed. But one of them lets you go into these simulations, which put you in like the Greek underworld. And this first DLC chapter is in Elysium, which is really super interesting. Like right when you go into it, it's like, oh, it's huh. a different setting and it's it has a really cool look and feel to it. The problem that I ran into pretty quick was that the gameplay is just reskinned enemies, but exactly the same gameplay. Like, oh. they do a little bit differently. Like, they try to change it up, but it's DLC, right? It's not a new game. There's not, they're right. not like fundamentally changing anything about it. Um, so I didn't really want to play it. Like, I explored a little bit and then I was like, you know, I've played this game for probably 60, 70 hours already. Like, 
I don't think I need this, but I am interested in the story. So this is one of those where I might go back and just watch all of the DLC cutscenes from this expansion on YouTube, which I don't do very often. Um, but yeah, overall, I think that this let me know that like I'm officially done with Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I'll probably go back to waiting until the next actual mainline Assassin's Creed game comes out um, because I've just gotten my fill. Like, you know, if it's just going to be the same gameplay, just reheated and rehashed over and over, I think I need to be done with it. So even dealing with the Atlantis stuff, you feel that way? Yeah, the Atlantis stuff that was wrapped into the main game was super interesting for me. And it looks like this is trying to take that another step farther. I just don't want to push through the same gameplay over and over because it opens it up and it's like, oh, you have to go and like swing the, I, I don't even remember, like it's been a while since I played the game, but it's the control over the area, like the territory control, you know, like defeating the leaders, like completing the objectives in the open world. Right. I did that so many times in the main game. I don't need to do that again just because you gave me another setting in the DLC. It's the exact same gameplay. So that's the part that's holding me back. But that's why I also want to probably just watch all the cutscenes because I do care about the story. That I understand. That was what I was really curious about is the uh, the Atlantis stuff because I know that was the story was what pushed you through the last bit of the game itself. So I was curious if it was enough to like get you to consider doing that again. It did. I mean, I probably played three, four hours of it, something like that. So it pushed me into a, a little bit, but not enough to finish it. If that says something, yeah. yeah. Um, so I moved away from that, and then I just started kind of thinking, like, it's been a light year for video games so far. And it's, you know, I think it's probably because the next-gen hardware is coming. And the other thing that got me thinking about this was it's almost time for our episode where we always do our mid-year episode, and we cover, like, the mm -hmm. best of the first half of the year. And that's always a super fun one to do because if you don't do something like that, by the time you get to the end of the year, you forget so much of what happened in the first six months mm -hmm. of the year. Um, and so that's one where we do a little bit of everything, right? And like the end of the year, we actually do a specific like games of the year podcast. And then we do like best of the rest, like everything else from the year. Um, when we do our midway one for the year, we just throw everything together because there's usually not quite enough games at that point, but there's a, enough to talk about. And I don't know, like, video game-wise, what would even make the cut for me at this point. I mean, Magic the Gathering Arena, because I've been playing a lot of that. Obviously, yeah. But outside of that, I don't think there's anything else. I mean, I'll go back through my list and try to pick it out. But it really has felt like a pretty light gaming year for me so far, which is interesting. Yeah, I'm trying to think of just stuff that has come out and blown either of us just away and none of it has been like super spectacular. A lot of the stuff that I've bought has either been a re-release or an indie game that was good enough or something that that is a retro game that I'm really excited about, but not anything like actually new, new, really. I think I think maybe Steamroll Quest was one of the better ones I actually got. Yeah, but you're saying it with the, like that tone of voice. Like it's not yeah, exactly. jumping out, you know, and I think... Almost all of the like high profile releases so far this year have either been ones where I was disappointed with it, like Anthem, like I really wanted to like Anthem, it didn't pan out, yeah. it wasn't the game I wanted it to be, and that's okay, like I moved on, I know other people still like it, and that's fine, it just wasn't for me. And then all of the other like high profile release games are just ones that I was never interested in in the first place, you know, and... A lot of them are just like, yeah, that's a video game. Like, I know exactly what's going to be in that. I don't want to spend my time on it. Or it's just a genre that I just completely don't care about. So I've kind of, mm -hmm. you know, skipped over it. Um, the balance of this is that I feel like this year so far, I've gotten to do a lot more digging into games that I'm having fun with because there's not always something like shiny and new. So that's probably one of the reasons that I've gone as deep into like magic and Magic the Gathering Arena as I have yeah. is because of that. So it's not all a bad thing. It's just kind of an interesting observation that I had going into this part of the year. And yeah, because usually like I remember, I think it was last year where we were talking in I think February or March ish because about march ish about april when everything was coming out that we were just getting slammed with too many things to keep up with and this year i'm just looking at what's come out and what's upcoming and like the switch has a fantastic year coming up for it but in like the immediate future i can't think of a whole lot of i can think of like two really awesome games that i'm really super looking forward to and one of them doesn't have a release date yeah and i have to think that it's because of next gen hardware i bet 
all of the ones that are like really big budget games are just waiting until PS5 and Xbox 2 whatever get announced. Um <laughs> or next box. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. The um I don't know why I'm thinking that they're going to call it Xbox Nexus. That's been in my head the entire time and I have no idea why. Xbox it's nothing Nexus anyone box. has ever said. Yeah. But like I'm hoping that we'll see a lot more at E3. I mean, that's always part of it too, right? Some of the games right. that are the biggest at the end of the year, we don't even know exist yet because they get announced next month at E3 in June, like beginning of June. Yep. So I'm sure we'll see a lot out of that. And then the other thing is, as we're approaching summer here, there are a, a few new games that I'm excited for. Um, starting in mid-June, there's like almost one every week all the way through the end of July. So there's Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. There's Mario Maker 2 there's Final Fantasy XIV, uh, the Shadowbringers expansion. There's Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. And then there's Fire yep. Emblem Three Houses. And like all of those I'm super pumped about in different ways and to different extents. But at least I was looking ahead and I was like, do I just not like video games? Because I, I know that's not the case, <laughs> right? But I'm like, it was more that I'm looking ahead to kind of like, what am I actually excited for this year? And I was like, okay, right. there's a bunch. It's just later in summer. It's it's just been a really oddly quiet first half of the year. Yeah, it really has. And even the the second half of the year, I can't think of anything other than Nintendo games that I'm really excited about. I say Nintendo because I should say Switch games because I, I can't think of anything that's not on the Switch that I'm interested in. Well, Persona Q2 is on the 3DS, but it might as well be. <laughs> that's um, another Nintendo system, though. That's a Nintendo yeah. system, yeah. Um, like, I can't think of anything because, like, Bloodstained is going to be on there and I want to play it. I don't care about Mario Maker 2, but uh, I'm glad that it's coming out for the people who like it. Um, I'll get Shadowbringers eventually. And, like, mo- Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, I'm in on day one. Like, I'm really excited about that one. And I'm already torn on Fire Emblem Three Houses, so I'm actually going to have to watch some gameplay on it to see uh, see if I'm going to pick that one up early on or wait. But it's... Uh, like, I'm excited for Astral Chain, and, uh, like, I can't wait for E3 to come around because of the announcements like the Final Fantasy VII Remake, which I haven't actually gotten your take on, speaking of upcoming games, and I'm really curious about that one. Um, I don't know. Looks okay, I guess. <laughs> like, fair I'm, enough. I'm very middling on it. I don't feel like we've seen enough for me to actually have any kind of opinion, and there are people that just want a straight-up remake and to keep the same system and I think that would be boring. Like, if you're going to remake the whole game to the extent that they are, you might as well reinvent the battle system. That being said, I'm not a huge fan of all Square Enix games going towards that action-type battle system. I really right. would like them to do, like, a high-end main release Final Fantasy or otherwise that's, like, a turn-based game again that's not Dragon Quest. And... Right. Um, they just aren't doing that. Like they seem to be taking like Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts and everything is going towards this action combat where I don't have anything against action combat. I just don't want absolutely everything to be that. So, you know, I'm a little apprehensive there, but I don't think it's a huge disservice to the game and I'll play through it. I mean, even if I don't like the combat, you can always crank it down to easy and just play through it for the story. But one way or another, I mean, I like Final Fantasy enough that like, yeah, I'm going to play that game when it comes out. And I've uh, I've been thinking like I'm I'm calling it and I'm sure I'm going to be wrong, but I would not put it past them with talking about upcoming games that I would not put it past them to have episode one of it ready enough ready enough here uh to announce it for 7-7 this year and announce that at e3 that it's going to launch on uh, 7-7 of this year just to get episode one out i don't believe that just because square enix has been really bad at getting out final fantasy games lately like i would i wouldn't complain i would like it but i don't think that's gonna happen yeah I'm 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 not holding my breath, but for some reason, when I thought I was like, yeah, I could see them doing that because they've gotten such bad press about stuff lately. Like, here, take this. You love us. Yeah, um, I mean, I think we're going to get a bunch of game announcements at E3, but also mm-hmm. PlayStation is pulled out of E3, so there's no PlayStation this year. There's no Sony. Oh, and did you not know that? I actually didn't know they pulled completely out. I thought they had reduced their presence. I didn't know they'd pulled all the way out. No, they just they're not at E3 this year so i mean you know they're probably holding back for the ps5 which makes a lot of sense so i think the real question is when we hear about e3 this year and all the game releases or all the game announcements is 
are there going to be many games that are announced at this year's E3 that are actually out in the next 12 months? Because I really mm. doubt it. I think most yeah. of what we're going to see is going to be for next-gen hardware, whether they say it or not. And that means probably fall of next year, because all signs point to fall of 2020 is when the PS5 comes out, which means that the next box, the Xbox to what should i call it in the meantime i'm gonna call it xbox two because i find that funnier the xbox two um is <laughs> see it made myself laugh it's a good sign um the xbox two is probably going to come out either like really soon before it or really soon after it because that's the way that those two companies go with each other yep yeah absolutely yeah almost so every we'll time see. almost every time almost every time but yeah and i mean outside of games or outside of video games specifically i i went and saw the detective pikachu movie because my kids really oh, wanted to cool. see it yep so i took my kids it's always fun to take them to the movies you know as a movie it's okay um right it wasn't fantastic i don't even know if i'd call it like good as a general movie but for a kids movie it's good it's it's definitely on that scale right it's like for kids movie i thought it was good not great um for general movie it was eh, it was all right it wasn't bad right i can definitely yeah. say it wasn't bad which is a That's good thing about what i expected out of it i didn't expect some sort of masterpiece i haven't seen it yet uh but i didn't expect a masterpiece and as long as it's not a a dumpster fire it's not it's definitely it not a dumpster fire so it has that going for it um the other thing is that it mostly just made me want to have a more traditional Pokemon movie because I want that Pokemon trainer story in movie form because like that traditional, right? Like I'm going to be the very best. I'm going to catch them. I'm going to have a bunch of battles and defeat gym leaders and work my way up to whatever, you know, the league or not, whatever you have time for in a movie form, because there was like one and a half Pokemon actual battles in the whole yeah. movie. And they were so cool to see the moves brought to life in this art style. Like, if I could have this art style and see a bunch of battles and trainers and that traditional story, like, I would be so excited to see that after seeing this movie and seeing what they did for the style and the graphics and the the CG, basically. And I'm not interested in that nearly as much as I am this one because we've had that story so many times. It's why my interest waned on Sword and Shield when they announced them as being that same kind of story again because of uh, we've seen it so many times with Pokemon. So I'm really glad that they went this route with the first live action one. So I can't wait to see this. And I would totally be all in on whatever they did. But I'm glad they went with this one first, at least. Yeah, so, I mean, it was interesting, right? If you've seen Pokemon, if you're a huge Pokemon fan, like, you should probably go see it. It's not bad. I can say that. Um, <laughs> besides that, this week, I did a bunch more magic, surprising nobody, because I just talked about how, you know, I've had more time to dig into it. So Magic Gathering Arena this week, um, you know, right back to that, like, the benefits of having a lighter game year. I can dig deeper into the games that I'm actually playing. There's this deck that my daughter made that had, she's eight, um, and her deck had no real theme and no real strategy behind it because she's just doing her very first deck building and one of the things that was in the deck was she put four of these cards called a charmed stray which is a cat and yep. so she built this deck and she was asking me like what she should call it and so i looked through it and the only thing i could see that had any cohesiveness was those cats so i said what if we call it cat chaos and she loved it she just like lost it laughing so she made the deck, you know, it has no no synergy, no theme, it's no anything except that it's kind of white red and it has these four cats, but she won her very <laughs> first like test run playing it and she's like, yes, this is an awesome deck. And I was like, yeah, it is, you did great. And um, it, it's super interesting because I, I'm in a couple of Slack channels and um, one of, or a couple of different Slack chats, right? One of the channels yeah. in the one that I spend the most time in, um, there's an entire channel dedicated to magic and I had like I'd been in there just kind of lurking for a year or two. I'm in most of the channels in that particular Slack that I'm in. Um, but I finally I'm participating within the last month because I'm actually playing the game. And so I mentioned this thing about my daughter's cat chaos deck, and it just like grabbed the imagination of the people in that Slack channel. And so a bunch of them have been building their own cat chaos decks, and it is the <laughs> coolest thing to see like what they're coming up with that are actual viable, interesting decks that are doing fascinating things where all of the characters are some kind of cat or cat-like creature. It is amazing. I was 
And it's funny that you said that when you and I were talking about this uh, before a few weeks ago, the deck that I've been working on on Arena has been based around all of the cat people as well. Like I've really enjoyed the uh, the cat people where I even got, I can't remember his name now, like a Johnny, a Sh- I can't yeah. remember. Um, I, I actually even used one of my mythic rare uh tokens to be able to buy to, to craft him to be able to put him in a deck like at least one of them i'll probably get more too because he's really good but i've really enjoyed the cats myself just completely separated from this but it was like yeah they're good cats are awesome yeah so it's super fun to see her getting into that and like i'm still just liking arena like you know magic the more and more i'm playing it the more i'm realizing that it's just like living breathing changing game which is true of a lot of games i've played over time but I think that their particular release schedule for sets is enough to keep it constantly fresh, which is something that like games as a service, you know, the video game side, I always feel like I struggle with. If I really love a game, it doesn't update fast enough to actually hold my attention, um, right. which is why I like kind of the more cohesive and like there's a story or there's a game where there's an experience and there's an ending. Um, but Magic Gathering Arena, because they're just pulling in the actual like magic cards and those releases that happen multiple times a year. Like, you know, the, the next core set is coming out in July, which isn't that far away. And I got to see everything with Ravnica pretty stable before uh, war of the spark dropped. And then I saw all these things change and now I'm kind of like, okay, I'm getting my head around war of the spark and it feels very different than it did when it was just the Ravnica stuff, which means that the next time they change over, it's going to feel even more different again. And that's kind of exciting for me. Like I could see myself just like digging in and just playing this game consistently for years. I don't know about that for sure at this point, but I've been playing for like two months almost every day and that's a really really good sign so it's just cool that it's it's a living breathing game and it's changing at a pace that i think might be fast enough but also slow enough for me like it's hitting that right tone that tempo and then the other thing is that i'm starting to feel confident enough that i'm starting to modify decks i'm not quite ready to make my own decks from scratch but i am taking existing decks that i like that i've played with a bunch and i'm like oh i feel like I'm not clicking with this certain aspect of it, or I wish it did more of X, or I wish it did less of Y. And so I'm slowly modifying like one card or two or four cards at a time and just kind of tweaking and tweaking and tweaking. So that's probably a good sign that at some point I might make my own from scratch, but I'm not quite there yet. Which is super fun, but it is intimidating. Like even having as much as much history with ccgs as i have it's always intimidating to start out a new deck from nothing uh unless you have like everything already like thought out in your head beforehand like it's it's not the easiest thing to do so i pretty much always start by modifying a deck and then moving into okay this is what i like and then grabbing like the four of this and four of this and four of this kind of well and the wild cards in arena are such a good fit for me because like i don't have to buy physical booster packs and i don't have to go hunt down singles and stuff like you have to in the physical game i can just like keep playing the game and by playing the game and like doing the in-game events that give me in-game gold for free i will get packs which will give me wild cards which means i can craft any card in the game just through playing so i love that about it yeah that is the best part about this by far absolutely one of the things i did in the last two weeks that was the most fun was actually like physical magic cards which surprised me so yeah. for magic the gathering um i bought those planeswalker decks right and i bought from three different sets and each one came with a couple boosters but it ended up that we perfectly had enough booster packs to do a four-person booster draft. So we did that with my kids, me, and my brother. The four of us um, just sat down, and we did a booster draft together against each other. And it was so interesting, and it was so fun to like watch my kids get into it too. And like I made a bunch of newbie mistakes for drafting. So did my kids. But my brother knows more about it than any of us do so (laughs) yeah you know we played and we played all the decks against each other and he won because obviously he was gonna win but after that it was the sitting down and talking it through that was like the most fun part for me because Mm. i picked up things but i could also tell that my daughter was totally grokking what was going on and she was just like sitting with my brother and picking his brain and listening to what he was saying so like her and i together we kind of learned more about the mana curve and the balance of like creatures versus spells and all of that kind of thing um 
it was it was fun enough that I could see myself trying out a draft or a sealed event at a game store in the future if I went with my brother. I would not do it alone, but with him, I would consider doing that, which is not something that I thought that I would say, but at this point is yeah. true, and it's kind of surprising to me. Um, I'm still not interested in constructed physically, like with the physical magic cards. Definitely just those limited formats because... I don't want that big of a commitment and it's too much money and it's too much of, like I said, hunting down the singleton cards and all that kind of stuff. Um, I might casually do construct it though at home because my kids are very right. interested in building their own decks and they like the physical cards. So with whatever cards we happen to have, right? And the other thing is like, I've been listening to that Magic Drive to Work podcast and mm -hmm. that's kind of how Magic the Gathering was originally envisioned, was that you would just have whatever set of cards you have every once yep. in a while you buy some random boosters and you would make your own decks and just play with the people that you know in your local area. So in a way, if I'm just playing it casually at home with not a big card pool, that's kind of fine. Like it works. And it's fun. That's the, that's the good thing about all of this is that it doesn't matter if you have a good deck, if both people are playing the same quality of deck like that, because you're going to have fun doing it. They can be absolute garbage, all commons of five different colors, but if you like doing it and you're having fun that's what it's about to play it i mean you're not going to take it to a tournament or states or anything but yeah just being able to sit and play around with your friends absolutely that's like the most of what i know that i don't know about everybody out there that's by far probably the majority of what i've done was just screwing around with different piles of cards that i've put together yeah so we're looking at um they have a thing called the deck builders toolkit which hmm. is basically designed for this purpose if you're just starting to get into magic so it comes with like a box where you can store things in but it comes with like 100 basic land cards it comes with 125 core cards and then it has a handful of booster packs in it too that are just random boosters for whatever. So I'm kind of eyeing the Ravnica Allegiances one since it's the most recent, but I'm also guessing that the Magic set, the Core 2020 set is gonna be out soon because that one is launching soon. Um, so probably around July. So I'm kind of looking at those like, yeah, if I get one of those I and play that with my kid, like I would buy it for my kids and then it, I would, play it with them i would not be getting it for myself because i want to get super into the physical cards it's more about like they're into this i'm gonna play it in the format that they're having fun with that makes a whole lot of sense yeah so again a lot of magic just because like there's not a whole lot of other brand new games out there the other thing i'm thinking about doing which i haven't really done yet but i might dive back into final fantasy 14 soon oh. and try to play some of the patch content before the new expansion comes out or I picked up a little while ago uh, Final Fantasy IX Remaster on the Switch, and I literally haven't even launched the game because, like, I've been just so into magic with my free time, yeah. and I don't have that much free time either to, like, sit down and dig into stuff. Also, I was going to ask if you were getting the Elder Scrolls Online elsewhere because I think it launched today, maybe? Um, uh, the new expansion for it. I know you were super into it for a while. Yeah, that was fun. I mean, I feel like I beat that game, so I don't know... I think I need to be in the right mood to go back to it. Like, I would probably want to start a new character or, I don't know, it would have to be the right hook to get me back into it, and I'm not quite in that mood at the moment. There are really big dragons. Dragons don't really do a whole lot for me. What? Yeah. I, I, Jennifer and I were talking the other night while we were watching Game of Thrones, and I, I said, I always... I love dragons. And I was like, I always forget how much I love dragons until I see a dragon. And then it's like, oh, my God, I love dragons. It's just like Spider-Man. Dragons are like Spider-Man when I don't remember how much I love them until I see them. And uh, she thought it was just so funny whenever I said that. But it was true. Also, the Game of Thrones finale. I'm assuming that you watched it. I did. I didn't know if we wanted to talk about that since it's super new. But we are at the very like end of the episode, so we can take yeah. a couple minutes. Um, okay, so this is it. This, that's the last thing we're going to talk about, Game of Thrones finale. If you don't want to be spoiled, now's your chance to bail out. You won't miss much, I promise. Because we're kind of bad at Game of Thrones. Yeah, we're bad at Game of Thrones. But basically, I thought it was all right. It was okay. It wasn't yeah. fantastic. I wish that this whole season had more time to develop, which is weird for me, because usually I'm the one that's like, drive that plot forward. And right. It just didn't seem like the writers took the time they needed to develop what happened. But now having seen the whole season, if I step back and I look at the broad strokes, it all feels fine to me. Like the broad strokes that happen, I'm okay with all of those things. It's just that like the characters needed more time to 
get to those places organically, whereas this season it felt like they were being pushed there because they needed to get there. Yes, and I read a really good article about that that Jennifer sent me, and by article I mean like series of like 45 tweets uh, that a guy had done, and it was basically saying that, that yes, the the reason that it feels like this with the last few seasons is because we ran out of George R. R. Martin pantsing those characters, uh, where he's, you know, riding by the seat of his pants, he's, the characters are doing what they do regardless of where it's going with the plot, which is the problem that some people have had with the later uh the later book la- latest book and so but while you had that as a as a source the the entire show felt organic and then when they had an end point to get to with no characters to really drive it the way that they would be driving it like they were before we started having a paint by numbers uh plot where they were hitting all of the the they're hitting all the high points, but we didn't have any of the fleshed out stuff between where it swapped from a pantser story to an outliner story uh, in the middle. And we felt it that uh, we felt them when they started planning it as opposed to when the characters were dictating where it went. And that was the most insightful thing that I've heard about the last few seasons, because when I thought about it, it's absolutely true that uh, not everything made sense before. Yeah, I saw an article where they talked about, so this was the most insightful take that I've seen. You and I have both obviously read a bunch of hot takes about this because we're <laughs> interested. Um, but it was where they were talking about how Game of Thrones was never a psychological story. It was never a story about the characters. It was a sociological story. It was a story about right. the systems and the institutions and what that does to the world. And it was a sociological story right up until the point where they ran out of book material. And then they had to hang it on the characters. So it shifted over to a psychological story about individual characters, which is what we're more used to. So which is kind of the same thing that you were saying, but just attacking it from a different angle. So I thought that was super fascinating. That's a really good point, too. I mean, yes, the same thing that that does that functions the same way. Um, And I liked the finale. I mean, I'm one of the people who I would probably even defend this finale because the, the things that people ended up hating about it are things that were telegraphed beforehand a lot and this is also another finale like the lost finale which is also wonderful and i will defend uh to the death um it's one of those where it says explicitly in the episode what led us to this point like uh whenever uh I don't know how many spoilers we want to actually get into because people may still be listening. But uh, what led things to that point had been led up to for eight seasons. And then they had, I think it was Tyrion, maybe say this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. And, you know, we let that happen and now we're here. And it's like this was all telegraphed very clearly. And uh, I, I liked it. Like there were things I didn't like, obviously. But as far as finales go, I don't understand why people are losing their minds. There was a, just... so I watched it twice, right? And right. I there's a lot of dramatic walking in that episode. Yes. Like there's a lot of suspense that worked for me the yeah. first time I watched it that didn't work nearly as much the second time I watched it. Mm. And now I'm super curious that if you took a stopwatch, which I'm tempted to do but I'm not going to because I don't have enough time yeah. to waste my time with stuff like this, but if you took <laughs> a stopwatch and every time there was just dramatic walking with no talking, if you started that and stopped it, I wonder how many minutes of the episode is characters dramatically walking from one point to another. Because I bet it is a lot of that episode. I hadn't even thought about it. I haven't seen it a second time. So I'm very interested to go back and watch it again now with that in my mind. Yeah, I mean, the finale itself, I thought it was it was all right. I didn't hate it. Um, I didn't love it. There were parts of it that I thought were really cool. But like overall, it was kind of it was in the middle for me. It's more about like the fact that we had this huge cultural event happen. Like that's the more right. interesting part to me. It was. And I just love how everybody was a part of it. Like even like uh, going back, like Austin didn't doesn't watch that. He's he's a huge Game of Thrones fan, he's a huge Song of Ice and Fire fan and uh, never watched this show, just couldn't get into it. But even he was texting me the next day being like, see, I told you this back in 2013. This is what was going to happen. And uh, he was like, nobody believed me. And uh, he did like to be fair. He did call this uh, except for uh, who was on the throne. He, he got that part wrong but everything else he got right um it was just like man 
All right. But but that's the thing. Everybody was into it, even people who didn't watch the show. <laughs> yeah, it was just a huge cultural event. So that was that was super cool that it anytime there's a giant cultural event like that in any kind of like geekdom, I'm always super fascinated by it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Well, that's probably it for this week. You guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have longer discussion threads on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links so you can hang out with us and check out all the other content on the network. I blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beege. That's Beege with two E's. And I blog sometimes at places. <laughs> We've been Void and Beege with your Geek Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, geeks. Hi everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we are the hosts of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want. Katie! Yes? Stop thinking about Zac Efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about. Well, we've talked about Zac Efron. No, get it together, Katie. Fine. We've talked about fan fiction, classical literature adaptations, favorite TV couples, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast today. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek. Hello, friends. This is Troidal Power inviting you to join me over on Twitch most weeknights sometime after dinner. Video games have always been a social hobby for me, with friends and family crammed together on a couch chatting away while someone holds the controller. And thanks to the power of the internet, I've got my own virtual couch over on Twitch where you can kick back and goof off while I play games. Find me on Twitch by searching Troidal Power, that's T-R-O-Y-T-L-E Power, to snag a spot on the couch.